Well, welcome. How is everybody today? I'm going to take a quick survey here. How many people use the cloud? How many people have their ERPs in the cloud? How many people use AI? Uh, anybody have uh, um, Google Home, Alexa, Siri? Yeah, you're all using AI. Maybe not for the same purposes, but. Um, so welcome, my name is Steve Coolidge. I'm a senior product manager for Epicor Software. Uh, my responsibilities with Epicor is uh, BI, data analytics and artificial intelligence. And then my associate here. Eric, Eric McCracken, I'm the uh, document management specialist. I have a pretty extensive background in content management and workflow uh, automation for documents, uh, process automation. So um, I'll be talking a little bit about leveraging AI with document management, OCR, you know, lifting text from documents and uh, using workflow to automate different document processes. So we're going to talk to you about um, the Cloud AI Roadmap and really deriving value from your data and a little bit about um, AI processes uh, and we'll get into that. Um, so, you know, my one of the main messages is don't give up on AI. It's, it's in its infancy. Um, it really is something that needs to have our ability to help it grow, and it's going to produce lots of great results for people. And you can start seeing that all over, right? You can start seeing Alexa, you start seeing Amazon, we have self-driving cars, Tesla has uh, you know, autonomous programming. So don't give up on it. But how many of the people in here use um, spreadsheets? I'm hoping everybody's going to raise their hand. How many of you guys sit and watch uh, Excel spin when you open a 200 megabyte spreadsheet and just sit and wait for it, right? Um, how many of you are taking paper invoices in and typing them into your ERP system? A lot of you? Some of you. So there's, there's new systems out there that can help automate that, can, can take out the information that is good and only leave you with the information that it doesn't know if it's right or not. So all you're dealing with is the exceptions. So what we're going to talk about is multiple types of data and multiple types of AI. And Eric's going to talk about uh, some other OCR and stuff as well. So everybody here has structured data, right? You have a database, SQL, MySQL. It's all structured data. It's nice. It's formatted. You have a field and the field is identified by a name, customer number, customer name, and under that is exactly that data. So here you have a picture of the employee table and the department table, and you want to link the employees with the department, but you want to give human readable name. This is how typically joins or relationships are built in SQL. This is structured data. Unfortunately, 20% of our data estimated is structured data. The other 80% of the data in the world is unstructured. So what's unstructured data? How many people text people? Chat, text, right? It's unstructured data. There's no nice fields. You don't say to the, to the chat bot, I want this to be going to this person, and this is the field I want filled out, and this is the field. It's, it's just an utterance. And those utterances have to be understood. Now, we get taught at a very young age how to understand utterances. 
how to decipher sentences, how to break them down. We have to teach a computer how to do the same thing. Right now, there is 2.5 ettabytes of data being created every day. All right, that's 25 followed by, anybody want to care to guess how many zeros? 17 zeros a day, right? There is no way as mankind that we can analyze or interpret all that data at any time. Every Facebook post, every Twitter, every text message you sent, every email you sent, unstructured data, everything that goes through your ERP, more data, we are just overwhelmed by the amount of data. So 80% of it's unstructured, in estimate, right? 95% of companies need to start trying to manage unstructured data, right? What kind of information can you get out of unstructured data? Well, think of things like Yelp, right? How do people like your services? Are there products that they like? It's not structured, they don't send it to you and say, product, a, like, yes, a lot, a little, much, and you get it. They say, yeah, I bought this product, I really like it, it's great, I've had great use for it. But systems typically don't take that in unless you can go and understand unstructured data. 40% need to manage unstructured data on a daily basis. So as you start understanding the unstructured data, not only do you have to manage it, but you have to manage it on a daily basis. So here comes AI, right? Artificial intelligence. Multiple, multiple pillars make up artificial intelligence, but artificial intelligence is really a top game changer. Gartner says AI in workplaces, that 70% of people are gonna start looking at AI in workplaces within the next couple years, right? Virtual agents, are right now taking up about 50%. Now, that's virtual agents within industry. Virtual agents outside of industry, the Alexas of the world, the series of the world, they're much better adopted. AI's market share is going to increase about to 30% over the next couple of years. And it really is going to evolve and become new UX or UI, right? You go into Google nowadays, you type out, you don't have to type a, a search command, you just type what you want, the question. And Google figures it out and sends it back to you, here's some suggestions. Google also uses machine learning, which is something I'll get to in a second, on trying to figure out what your next word is. Have you ever started typing and Google starts typing ahead of you? It says, oh, I understand what you're gonna ask for, and you go, no, that's not it. But it's trying. So. AI does exactly what we ask it to do, right? We shouldn't be scared of AI. It's a computer program. It's as smart as we are. Sometimes it's a lot dumber than we are, and sometimes we're dumber than we think. Um, so there was a test back a while ago at TED, and they built, they asked a robot to build a robot, and the robot was supposed to move from point A to point B. Well. That robot just stacked the parts up on top and pushed it over because it would make it from point A to point B. Not the exact results that they were expecting, got the job done, but not how we would do it as a human. So let's talk about some common AI terminologies. How many out there know what NLP stands for? 
or they can read the board and, and say it, right? NLP is natural language processing. Natural language processing is taken, written, or speech, and it is then interpreted so it can do on the back end what the computer wants via Siri, via Alexa, via uh, Google Home. Um, computer vision. Computer vision uses a picture and it uses information provided from that picture to start identifying. Now how can computer vision be used to help? Well, autonomous cars use computer vision. They determine what's on the road and where it's going and what direction it's heading and if it's a threat and if it's not a threat. And so it can react. But then you have machine learning. How many people in here like statistics? Good. So machine learning takes statistical algorithms and it applies it and it can take a lot of that data and analyze it like you would if you sat down with a spreadsheet that was about four feet tall and had, oh, maybe two years to go through it. But it can go through it a lot faster. And then underneath machine learning is deep learning. So deep learning is a subset of machine learning. It uses a different processing unit. Machine, unit, uh, machine learning uses CPUs. Deep learning uses GPUs. GPUs are graphical processing units. CPUs are the central processing units of the computer. And it uses that because graphical processing units can crunch numbers a ton faster. And therefore, you can get faster results out of it. So we're going to take a look at natural language processing for a second. So there is speech and text. Now, NLP should not get confused with ASR, right? ASR is speech recognition, automatic speech recognition. That is when you talk into your phone and it types it on the little line. That is just translating what you're saying over to what it thinks you said. And autocorrect does play a part in there and it does change words for you and make it a lot of fun. But natural language processing is when you hit that enter button, it then sends that to typically a natural language system that looks at the utterances it looks at the trigger words, it looks at the statement words, and it tries to determine what the intent of that is. So the intent is, if you want to display a customer, I can say to a system, show me customer Dalton. I can also say, display customer Dalton. Need information for customer Dalton. Just customer Dalton, right? All of these things, are the same utterance. Well, they're not the same utterance, but they have the same intent. The same intent is to display the natural language. And it, when it does that, it then turns around and it goes and figures out that those utterances have the same intent, and that same intent is to display the customer information back to you, right? You have to train NLP. You cannot leave it. It doesn't grow by itself. It needs to be trained. If you talk to somebody from Amazon or from Google, they'll tell you that they have a lot of people training their natural language processing to make sure that it does what it needs to do, right? So that's how NLP works. You put in, you put in either written or speech text. It goes up, it takes that text, it has a trigger mechanism, it has a content me mechanism or a statement, 
and then it determines what the intent is and it responds with the intent. If it doesn't have an intent, then it comes back and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Machine learning uses algorithms really to perform certain tasks. So is anybody using machine learning in here? You are? Good. Um, so you can do lots of things in machine learning. There's a lot of use cases around machine learning. And as small and medium business owners, you really need to start embracing it. It's not as pricey as it used to be because of all the cloud services. But machine learning allows you to take information and derive either a prediction or a suggestion from it. So customer churn. How many of you would like to know if your current customers are going to be leaving or if they're just happy and staying? Good question. How would you know that? Could you look at the historic data of customers that passed in the past left and figure out what caused them to leave or how you could notify or understand that they were leaving and apply that pattern to current data to see if any of your current customers were going to leave. That's what machine learning does. Machine learning typically takes historical trend data, understands the patterns within the trend data, applies it to your current data, and it determines if that model is being active or inactive to understand if something is going to do the same. So if you've got customer attrition, it might say, go and visit these customers because they're the five that are going to possibly leave you in the next six months. It does the same thing when you start talking about demand forecast. How do I understand my demand? Well, EDI, if some of you get EDI or purchase orders or however you're getting your sales orders in, right, you understand the demand. But there's other outside areas that help with understanding that demand. I used to work for a steel stamping company. In that steel stamping company, we made lawn parts, lawn and garden parts. Well, we knew when the spring, when it was warmer in the late winter, early spring, that we needed to produce more parts because they sold more tractors. Understanding the economic turns, the weather, maybe traffic, maybe commodities, and also adding that to your demand will help you increase your demand forecast. There's lots of reasons people buy. It's not all just a sales order coming into your system or EDI coming into your system. So being able to understand that, going through a machine learning, because it can understand lots of things and give you output, really helps with the way that you can apply that knowledge to increase your growth of your business. Right? Oops, wrong button. Um, computer vision. So computer vision's being used to allow for oranges to be separated into grade A and grade B oranges. You have to teach the computer what's a grade A orange and teach it what's a grade B orange. And it can look at the oranges as they go through a conveyor belt and determine which ones are grade A and which ones are grade B with training and push them to the right sides. And that way they can separate them and increase productivity for those, for those farmers and those orange carriers. We're also using computer vision to understand welds. Going inside and looking at welded pipes to understand if those welds are good welds or bad welds. 
right? Being able to understand quality of information and quality of the products that you're producing using com computer vision helps you produce better computer or better quality parts with less waste. So computer vision, that's one of the one of the ways it's being adopted. And then I'm going to turn it over to Eric for OCR. So a, a subset of computer vision is optical character recognition, or OCR. Um, who currently has a document management system that's leveraging optical character recognition, capturing text from documents? Anybody? Kind of? Okay. Um, the technology was developed back in the mid-90s. Um, there was a, an effort underway to, thanks, to, um, to digitize newspapers, historical newspapers. And up until that point, the only option was to, to manually key in that information to make it keyword searchable. Um, so the technology was developed primarily to support that effort, and it has, has gained uh, obviously widespread adoption into the more broad document management uh, text or, or data capture uh, functionality. So. There's really three levels of OCR, optical character recognition. There's the, the traditional, which is um, building templates, we call them. Uh, so you, know, you, you, you put an image of the document up on the screen, uh, you, you teach the software, if it's a vendor invoice as an example, you tell the software, okay, for this vendor, the, the invoice number is always in the right, upper right-hand corner the vendor name is in the upper left-hand corner. The PO number is usually in this zone. So that's, that's sort of the traditional OCR um, with the ability to do either full text. So when you scan a document, you can capture all of the text from that document and make it fully searchable by any of that text. Um, or you can set up that zonal OCR process that I just talked about to only capture specific fields and drop those into to your metadata so that you can then do field retrieval. So it gives you different ways of getting to your content, but it eliminates the need to have to manually key in that information. And then the next level would be machine learning. Machine learning um, OCR is technology where you teach the software uh, what certain, what we call anchor text to look for. So using the vendor invoice as an example, again, um, teaching it to look for uh, the word invoice. So if it sees that word, it's gonna know, okay, well this is a vendor invoice, I now need to start looking for the invoice number. So it's, it works really well for the unstructured documents, documents where the, the needed information, depending on the vendor, could be in different regions on the document. So machine learning enhances OCR to figure out where those, those keywords are on the document, and it can then lasso those or it can extract those and drop them right into the appropriate fields. And then the, the, the highest or the, the, the newest is really the, the deep learning OCR, which takes the, the machine learning and enhances it by allowing the technology to sort of sift through background images to find the text in, say, an image or something like, like a picture. Um, if it's a picture of a street, uh, it can find the street sign and, and OCR the street sign in that particular picture. So 
Um, and, and a typical application, this is a pretty common one, um, this is a process that represents capturing an inbound purchase order from your customer and leveraging OCR or intelligent data capture as we call it to, to uh, look in the, the particular areas on that PO and pull in you know, a PO number, uh, the line items, the items that are being purchased, uh, the customer, and then it's actually, um, typically it's working in conjunction with an ERP system to use the data that was captured from that purchase order and trigger lookups into the ERP system to pull in other information or validate information. For example, um, is the pricing correct? Uh, did the customer put the correct pricing on the order? Um, do we have a quote in the system that we need to match this order to? So you can do a lot of things with that data once it's been captured from that document. So, so far, conceivably, if there are no exceptions, you've got up to this point, um, other than maybe when you scan the, 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 the document to a folder, uh, you haven't had to touch it yet. So you haven't had to, to, to touch the document, you haven't had to key anything in. Um, it's doing that manual stare and compare of the data that was captured, comparing it to what's in your system. So if there are exceptions, it, the software can present them to a designated user who, whose charge is to resolve whatever type of exception. Maybe this customer is on credit hold or they've placed an order for an amount that exceeds their credit limit. We can, we can branch it to uh, maybe the finance manager to, to either you know, sign off on it or uh, proceed to increase their credit limit, whatever that process is. Or if we're out of stock on certain items that are being ordered, we can send that down a different pathway to notify somebody uh, to, to take corrective action. So we can build those exception branches. But if everything matches, everything's valid, uh, the, at the end of the process, the data that's been captured, the data that's been pulled in from ERP and validated is actually creating the sales order automatically in ERP. So you've got a process where you may have only touched the document to scan it to a folder and OCR has extracted the data from it, workflow has validated everything and has created that transaction automatically for you in the ERP system. So there, you know, any, any complex business process, uh, you can really leverage this technology. Uh, vendor invoice processing is another area where uh, we've, we very frequently implement this type of technology because, again, most of the documents coming in are unstructured. So you've got vendor invoices that come in all shapes and sizes and formats. So having, having an intelligent data capture solution to be able to recognize those invoices, capture the data automatically, pair that up with workflow to match those invoices to the POs, or if it's a non-PO invoice, building a workflow process that mirrors your pr approval process, uh, using the data captured from the invoice to dictate what branch it may follow through the approval process, and ultimately creating that AP invoice in the system on the back end. So it's a, combining OCR and workflow can be a really powerful automation tool. And this is an example of a, an OCR process where the software wasn't completely sure that it read 
characters correctly. So we have the ability to set confidence thresholds. So if it's not exactly sure if that's a zero or an O or a B or an A, it can flag it. You can, we can set varying levels of, of, of accuracy, confidence, and it'll send it to a human to then correct that. It can say, yep, it was read correctly and allow it to continue on through, or they can make the change on the fly and then allow it to continue through that process. So we're always putting these exception branches for a human to resolve at, at every step of this process. And Steve, back to you. All right. So NLP for structured data. Um, so what we're talking about here with structured data is being able to query your database using NLP. And this goes back to being able to show me today's sales and having that turn into more or less a SQL query, right? So when we start talking about, and you hear people talking about NLP for structured data, you're talking about something that's going to go and retrieve structured data and then present it back. Um, you know, you can ask for today's sales, you can ask to show me the last five invoices, you can ask me to show what, the, what their favorite product was, right? This is, this is how they're using NLP for structured data. And this is all typically cloud-based solutions, right? So when you're, when you're writing NLP, you don't typically want to write, try to write an NLP processor. Um, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they all have them. You can all get them, access them, play around with them. Uh, great technology, but you've got to train them. I'm pressing the button for the laser again. Uh, Machine, language, uh, machine learning for structured data. You know, one of the biggest machine learning for structured data is inventory leveling. So when you, um, how many in, in here have inventory, right? Do you do min-maxes? Are you on a Kanban system, right? All of those are ways to understand your data, but they all have downfalls. All of those mean that you have to have a minimum amount of data available or not data, I'm sorry, minimum amount of inventory available. And that inventory is taking up square footage. If you can incorporate machine learning into understanding your cycles, understanding your supplier lead times, understanding when somebody's buying and when they're not, you can adjust those min-max levels based on historical data, based on demand forecast so that you're keeping everything in stock that you need in stock, but not keeping an abundance of it where you're taking up the square foot on your shop floor or your distribution centers that's so valuable to you, right? So machine learning, using it for determining inventory optimization leveling has been really a big push, right? Making sure you're using the best area of your shop floor for the products you most need. So in summary, we went over the three main technologies for AI. We went over machine learning, which also encompasses deep learning. So I kind of put those under the same pillar. We've talked about computer vision, right? Letting the computer actually see. And then we've talked about natural language processing. Eric kind of went over unstructured data and how the OCR allows it. And, and I talked a little bit about the structured data. 
Now, all of these are available in the cloud, right? You don't have to have massive servers at your facilities. This stuff is all available. You can subscribe to Azure. You can get AWS. They all have pre-built applications to help you through this, right? And really, this is the time for small, medium businesses to really start looking at AI because it is going to be a competitive advantage. If not a competitive advantage, it's really going to be a way for you to stay competitive. Being able to understand your data, put value behind that data, and use that data to better your business, help you increase profits, growth, or reduce waste, is all about getting the value out of your data. So that's going to conclude our talk today. I thank you very much for attending. I appreciate it. Are there any questions that yeah, we can we've answer? We've got some time if there's any questions. Yeah, I think we, uh, yeah, we still yes. have about 15 minutes. So regression forecasting and machine learning. Well, regression forecasting, you're going to pick a regression model, and then it's going to determine the, the placement of it. So if I've got a monthly budget, I can break that monthly budget down by days or maybe by working day calendar. Machine forecasting is going to actually look at the historical trends, and maybe you have a certain time in the month that you pay bills. It's going to predict that and use that instead of just regressing, put a regression across it. So it's going to use your historical data. It's going to analyze your historical data. You're going to build a model. So what you typically do in machine learning is you take a, a large amount of data and you split it in two. One is going to be your building data, and the other is going to be your testing data. And you're going to use the building data to help build and, and create that model. And then once you've used that building data, you kind of throw it away, and you use the testing data to run through the model to see how it functions, right? And it's so you're able to adjust your model. And typically, you would go and turn around and retrain your model monthly or so because you're going to get more data. When you start talking about neural networks, which is with deep learning, it'll start actually training itself. Um, it categorizes things. If I look at a flower, I can say how many petals are around it, what color is it, and I kind of break it off into neural networks to categorize it. Machine learning is not there, the deeper deep learning is. So you constantly have to go back and retrain machine learning to improve the algorithm with the new data and the new knowledge that you're gaining from it. Yes, sir. Yes. So, so the question was, how do you train your data? Because we were talking about Amazon and Google and, and Microsoft and, and the training. Well, a lot of the ML that they're providing is the application. So the ability to use that to create the model, right? Um, ML.net, there's, uh, there's a bunch of them. The data is going to be yours. So you're going to bring in that data. There are APIs available and, and other uh, ways to pull in data for weather or economy that you can continue to pull that data in. But you've got to collect that data and present it to the, to the machine learning tool as well as then um, build that model. So they just have a, kind of a user-friendly way of creating that model instead of going into R and doing statistics and Python. And 
So I would start off small, right? I would start bringing in your data that you know, and then I would start looking at how that data is applying. So the question was, how do you know where to start and how much data do you need to bring in? You can bring in your structured data first, right? You can understand your structured data, you can design with that. That may not lead you to a high as a percentage of um, correctiveness that you want. So then you have to understand what the outside influence factors are and start trying to bring in that data. You can sign up, there's, there's websites that'll do predictive weather for you and you can bring that data in and apply it to it. So um, there's data out there, obviously there's tons of data in this world to bring in. It's a matter of bringing it in and, and when I was back as a, as a solution architect, we did a context diagram which was, I made a circle, I put what I was gonna do inside that circle and then I would attach all the outside influencers. Right? So it might be economic, it might be weather, it might be, um, I don't know, travel response, gas prices if it's not you know, economic, and commodity prices. We used to hedge buy steel based on commodity forecasting. And bringing that in to see if you can continue to make that prediction or make what you're trying to get out of your machine learning better and better. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Have a great Thank rest you. of the show.